Hello, and welcome to Unsheathed with your hosts, Kyle Gold and Cam Hirosaki. We hope that you enjoy the program. Please stick around afterwards. There'll be cake and blowjobs. Hi, welcome to Unsheathed Presents number one. We're going to be actually reading a story this time, a story that I wrote as part of a challenge, a gauntlet thrown down at Rainforest this year. In um, public, no less. In so public. Deny it. Yes, where Cam Hirosaki and I were challenged to write stories about each other's characters once again. Uh, we did this a year or so ago, I believe. Um, yeah, it was last fall. And uh, we did it again, and I, I believe we're both rather pleased with the results. So uh, I finished first, like a fox. <laughs> and uh, so we're going to read mine first, and in about a month we'll be reading Hirosaki-san's. Anything you want to add about this? Uh, no, just that um, I mentioned this on the podcast before. And I know I've told you that uh, I think this was a really difficult challenge to do, but now that we're pretty much done with the stories and we're moving on to the finished products, I'm actually I'm really pleased with how it all turned out, and I'm glad we did it. I, I am too. I think both stories are quite good this time. And so uh, there we go. By K.M. Hirosaki, by Kyle Gold. K.M. Hirosaki drew a webbed paw through the drops of water left by the condensation on his Rain City punch glass, making swirling patterns in the table. Around him, the hotel bar hummed with subdued life, that after-midnight drone that winds down until it's broken up by last call, its remaining few parts drifting up to their rooms or to find other small hives of activity if they were desperate to avoid sleep. The otter didn't want to be one of those last-call casualties, but it was still too early to go to bed, despite the fact that his friends Kyle and Kit had excused themselves nearly half an hour ago, pleading fatigue. It was a polite ruse, though his nose wasn't as keen as theirs. He didn't need scent to notice the look they exchanged and the lift in Kyle's tail, and so he was fairly sure Kit was fucking the hell out of the fox right about now. It generally wasn't polite to think over much about one's friends' sex lives, but K.M. and Kyle made something of a living at it. So, with the excuse that perhaps it would spark a story idea, Hirosaki let himself imagine the white wolf buried under the fox's tail, both of them lost in the moment, their synchronized movements growing more and more urgent. Perhaps the wolf might growl, the fox might pant or moan. They would move together with a familiarity and synchronicity born of their years together. At least, that was how he would write about it. Whatever was really happening was only tangentially important to the story that came out of it. Contented lovers were boring, though. No stories came, and after a moment he dismissed the film loop of the sex in his head. At least he could smile in the knowledge that his friends were happy, and if his own prospects for a nice sticky night were not quite as bright, well, that's what his stories were for. He lifted his paw and licked the condensation from it. There was always that. Perhaps if he thought about... About that dingo, for instance, who'd just walked behind him over to the bar to order something amber from the bartender. His name could be Vic, and his story might go. Vic licked foam from his muzzle, turning his head just slightly to catch the eye of the otter behind him. He held the gaze just long enough to establish mutual interests, looked away before he came off as desperate. Maybe this otter would be the one to take away the pain for a night. It was either that or drown it again in cheap beer. The dingo dropped some money on the bar and got up, holding his beer. 
So that was the end of those fantasies, though they might still make a good story one day. Hirosaki ducked his head as the dingo approached, irrationally worried that his fantasies would be apparent through his scent. Kyle and Kit certainly seemed to be able to tell some intimate things with their canid noses. Not that it would matter to the dingo anyway. Most canids just seemed to Hirosaki to walk around in a perpetual state of smug amusement at the things they knew about their poor scent-deprived friends. But they couldn't swim, could they? Not properly. The chair to his right scraped across the floor. A wave of canine scent hit him, along with beer and steak. "'Mind if I join you?' a deep voice asked. He looked up into the dingo's brown eyes. "'I'm Jeremy,' the dingo said. "'Sorry to intrude, but I hate drinking in bars alone, and my flight tonight was cancelled.' "'Oh, of course.' Hirosaki nodded. "'You're here for the conference?' "'Conference?' Jeremy perked his ears as he slid easily into the chair. He put his beer on a cocktail napkin and smoothed his blue linen shirt down carefully with his paws. Nah, I'm just a tourist. Went up to the Space Needle, Pike Place Market, caught a ball game. What you drinking? Rain City Punch. Hirosaki traced a finger up the side of the glass. Like a planter's punch, but with a northwestern flavor. He paused. I believe it may be salmon. Jeremy had a good solid laugh. Not too loud, no snorting or cackling. He appreciated the minor joke just enough, and Hirosaki allowed himself a smile in reply. They make great beers up here. I usually stick to that. What conference are you here for? Hirosaki looked down at his badge. It's a writing thing. He couldn't quite bring himself to say, for erotica writers, although the picture on the badge of a cute busty vixen didn't exactly suggest literary fiction. Oh, you're a writer. Anything I might have read? Hirosaki listed a couple of the publications he'd been in, only by name, but no spark of recognition flickered in the dingo's brown eyes, nor twitched in his ears. That was something of a relief. You wrote that story? I always wanted to try something like that. The dingo leaned in, his grin widening. The chances of him running across this otter, in this bar, his heart leapt. Maybe the otter was as tender as his stories, as wounded as his characters, and he needed someone to be with. No, that story would become a comical misadventure of trying to escape a stubbornly clueless fan. Either that or a tragedy of the annoying. And Jeremy was being anything but annoying. His canine musk had crept through the thick, fruity smell of Hirosaki's empty glass, and though Hirosaki did not trust his nose to the extent that his canid friends did, he found himself relaxing, the scent solid and reassuring. Jeremy was cute, too. His long, broad canine muzzle, which his tongue often peeked out of the end of when he wasn't talking or drinking, his broad shoulders squared against the back of the chair, muscular legs filling out a pair of khaki shorts, and his narrow tail curled up through the back of the chair as though waiting for a signal to wag. Jeremy signaled the waiter. Another one of those, he said, pointing toward Hirosaki's glass. Hirosaki blinked, looking back up. Oh, I don't know. Jeremy smiled. Come on, you don't want to make me drink alone, do you? Hirosaki tilted his head and then smiled back. What would you have done had I not been here if you don't drink alone? There's always someone around. Jeremy's smile widened, as confident as his perked ears. Hirosaki nodded. There were, in fact, two other people in the bar, a possum busily texting or twittering or something on his phone, and a gray fox staring fixedly at the TV news. 
It didn't flatter Hirosaki much that Jeremy had picked him to share a drink with, but he supposed the dingo could have just left with his beer. He should enjoy it anyway. Jeremy was almost surely flirting. Or was Hirosaki projecting, wishful thinking brought on by the afterimage of Kyle getting a good hard mounting? It didn't matter, he decided. Even if it were just a fantasy, Hirosaki enjoyed the possibility of sex almost as much as the sex itself, and as long as Jeremy sat next to him, the possibility was there. So why did you choose to explore Seattle? Jeremy leaned back in his chair, wrapping his paw around the beer glass. He held it just off the table and waved it back and forth as though he were using it to demonstrate a point. The people. So many interesting people here. Writers' conferences. Little coffee shops, independent music stores. People doing their own thing. It's Bonzer. Bonzer? Hirosaki smiled. He couldn't write slang like this. You know, terrific, amazing, unexpected. Hirosaki's drink arrived as Jeremy was finishing this speech. As the waiter left, the dingo lifted his glass as though he'd been holding it for just that purpose. To the unexpected. Hirosaki had to appreciate the earnest innocence of it all. He lifted his glass and clinked it against Jeremy's. The unexpected, he echoed, and drank as the dingo did. The silence following the toast showed signs of becoming awkward as they looked at each other without saying anything. And who are you not going back to tonight? Hirosaki asked, attempting to keep things going. Now that your flight is cancelled. Jeremy lifted an eyebrow, his ears skewing to the side. Hirosaki felt warmth mount in his cheeks. He flicked his little ears. Not who, where, I meant... He looked down at the pink liquid in his glass and laughed shortly. I can't believe I said that. Aw, Jeremy said. Don't ruin a perfectly good line. I didn't mean it that way. Jeremy tilted his head, lips stuck out in a fake pout. So do you not want to know? There was no more almost to the flirting. The dingo's muzzle was adorably serious as comforting and relaxing as the Rain City Punch, and nearly as sweet. To keep the warmth from fading, Hirosaki took another drink, letting the strong, sugary flavor fill his head. He chose his words as carefully as if he were writing them. No, he said. I don't not want to know. The dingo smiled and drained his beer. I live in Austin, he said. Alone. And I have to get up early for a flight. I see. Hirosaki's heart pounded quickly. He adjusted his pants to relieve some of the pressure on his sheath, which had somehow gotten warm and fairly hard. Too late, he realized that Jeremy was looking right at him as he did. Making up some excuse for it would only call more attention to his situation, so he just picked up his drink in both paws and brought it to his muzzle, closing his eyes as he drank. He couldn't finish it all. A third of the drink was left when he put it down. Sorry he said, his head buzzing strongly now. I'm done with this. Jeremy picked up the glass and sniffed it. I'll try it, he said, and took a quick sip. Wow, you can really taste the salmon. Hirosaki giggled, then tried to compose himself. Jeremy put down the glass. You don't have to finish it, he said. I mean, if you're ready. Ready for what? Hirosaki didn't mean to be coy, but he was still feeling slightly giddy from Jeremy's little joke. Why don't we see when we get there? Jeremy smiled and stood gracefully, his tail wagging slowly behind him. The otter said, You think I'm that easy? The dingo did, of course. That's what he'd been counting on. 
The otter stood and slid his paw into the dingo's pants. The possum didn't even look up from his phone as Jeremy gasped in surprise. God, he was slutty, even for an otter. The otter bounced to his feet and grinned. I thought you'd never ask. He would do, Jeremy thought, but we'll see how bouncy he is in a couple hours. The otter... Fuck it. Hirosaki wobbled to his feet, steadied his head, and smiled. Jeremy led him out of the bar and down the hall to the elevator, giving Hirosaki a chance to both clear his head and watch Jeremy's rear. Even through the fairly loose shorts, the curves under his tail were clearly defined. The tail itself was mesmerizing to watch, wagging back and forth like a metronome. And what the hell was he doing following this tail? They found him the next morning, strapped to the bed, his life bled out in a red halo around him, naked, smiling. He looked almost peaceful. Come on. His judgment wasn't that impaired, was it? Jeremy was a nice guy. He didn't smell creepy at all. But you don't have as good a nose, do you? And he was cute. Serial killers were not cute. That was a fact. Maybe they were charming, but it was the kind of charming that attracted desperate people, not confident little autos. And when you followed a serial killer into the elevator, he'd stand real close to you like he was afraid you'd get away, wouldn't he? He wouldn't lean against the back wall of the elevator while you stood near the buttons and give you a long, smiling look up and down that told you he'd already taken your clothes off in his mind and liked what he saw. Would he? Hirosaki smiled at Jeremy's appraisal and looked away again. He already had a picture of the dingo naked in his mind, and it wouldn't go away. God, he was behaving like a character in one of his own stories. But what was it he and Kyle always told the young riders coming around looking for tips? Experienced life. That's what he was doing. The worst that would happen would be that he would lose what money he had in his pockets. Because they were going to Jeremy's room. They had to be, because Jeremy hadn't asked his room number. They got out at the fifth floor, and to the otter's surprise, the dingo led him directly to 546, then stood there with his arms folded, waiting. How did you know? the otter said, reaching a paw into his pocket. The dingo smiled then bent and pressed his lips to the otters, his tongue pushing past them, threading the otters' sharp teeth. His paw held the back of the otters' head as they kissed, and the otter didn't care if there were people looking at their peepholes or around the bend in the hallway. He kissed back, standing on tiptoe, his whole body shivering. When the dingo pulled back, he said, I've been watching you all weekend, hoping I could get you alone. You are always with friends, and I'm a little shy. Okay, that wouldn't work. Jeremy was definitely not that shy, and anyway, the elevator had gone past five to eight, where the doors opened and the dingo held them open until Hirosaki could exit. He only wobbled once in the hallway on the short walk to 8.15, where the dingo pulled out a room key, holding it in the air like he'd held the beer glass earlier. I don't know how much you do this kind of thing, he said. Last chance to bail. It was so sweet, Hirosaki wanted to kiss him right there in the hallway. He shook his head. I don't do it that often, but you have a really cute ass. Shit, where did that come from? I mean... He said to Jeremy's widening grin. I mean, a nice face, and I trust you, and... He couldn't remember anymore why he was trying to flatter the dingo. I'm okay. Jeremy leaned down and gave him a soft kiss on the nose. You're adorable, he said, and opened the door. There wasn't much in the hotel room except an olive-green duffel bag resting on the dresser. One large king bed dominated the room, 
neatly made with the usual cluster of pillows at the head. The room didn't smell like dingo, it smelled like housekeeping. Hirosaki's whiskers twitched, as they often did around chlorine bleach and other cleansers. I love what you've done with the place, he said, staggering again and putting his paw to the wall. The waiter had done his job, Jeremy thought. The auto would let him do anything now, and wouldn't remember it in the morning. Perfect. He reached into the drawer and pulled out the leather harness and ball gag. I like to give a personal touch to my rooms. Jeremy let the door swing closed behind him. Hirosaki heard the sound of a lock. Also to my guests. The otter's mind was buzzing with arousal, his blood scurrying madly through his body, but he was clear-headed enough to realize there'd been no roofies in his drink. Hirosaki half-turned, pushing his shoulders right into Jeremy's waiting paws. The dingo pulled him close and walked forward slowly, forcing Hirosaki backwards to the bed. The otter circled Jeremy's waist with his paws, resting them just above the base of that wagging tail. He tensed as his thighs pressed back against the bed, wondering if Jeremy were going to push him over onto his back, and whether he'd be okay with that. In a swift, fluid motion, the dingo had pulled down the otter's pants, revealing its hard length to the chilly room air. He warmed it in his paw, eyes smiling down as he caressed it and touched his nose to the otter's. "'I want this to be special,' he said, his tongue brushing the otter's nose. He drew his fingers slowly up Hirosaki's throbbing length. I want... But no, Jeremy was simply leaning down, exhaling over one of Hirosaki's ears, grasping it in his teeth and teasing the rim. Hirosaki squirmed, his arms tightening. The legs against him, the waist in his grip, all were nicely muscled, and now Jeremy was not shy at all about pressing his groin into the otter's stomach so that the hard ridge of his arousal was impossible to miss. Hirosaki didn't feel so bad about his own erection, swiveling his hips to rub it against Jeremy's thigh. He let out a little whimper as the dingo's teeth played with his ear. The sensations coursing through the otter were like fire. Mm. A raging... Nothing he had ever felt before. He looked longingly at the dingo's soft muzzle, smelling the warm breath musky with desire. God, he loved this. He squirmed, and then without really meaning to dropped his paw so it was cupping the tight shape of Jeremy's rear. The dingo gave a short hoof that made a delightful puff of breath tickle the short fur in Hirosaki's already tingling ear, and then the paws on the otter's back gripped him more urgently, rubbing and kneading his muscles through his thin silk shirt. And then the paws were under his shirt, and it was being slid off him, gliding almost without a sound along his sleek fur. He reached down as his torso was bared, finding the dingo's muscular thighs where his shorts ended and pressing his fingers through the fur there, up along the muscle and under the shorts. Where thighs met rear, Hirosaki allowed his fingers to follow the curve of the dingo's rump, even as Jeremy brought his large, gentle paws around to the otter's sides, blunt claws tracing up and down his ribcage. He was athletic, a specimen of solid muscle, his body a mass of coiled springs. No, that wasn't right. He had an athlete's build, but not the tension, not yet, still relaxed from his beer. A different kind of tension crackled between them, almost lifting their fur as easily as their paws did. They both felt it. The look they exchanged was hot with it. He had beautiful, strong hips, too large for Hirosaki's small paws to hold completely. The otter resisted the temptation to push up under the shorts for now, 
but as it turned out, Jeremy must have been thinking something similar, because he leaned his weight to the side, lifting Hirosaki off the floor as Jeremy dropped to the bed on his back. Hirosaki landed atop the dingo with a squeak, the dingo's paws at his pants before he could recover from the quick motion. Jeremy grinned up as his paws freed the otter's erection. Early flight, he said. Uh, that's fine. Hirosaki scooted back to expose Jeremy's groin, his fingers making short work of the fastener in front. Jeremy's paws had already pushed Hirosaki's pants down and cupped his shaft, rubbing with warm fingers that made the otter squirm and pant as he yanked the dingo's shorts free somewhat harder than he'd intended to. His shaft lay dark across his ivory belly fur, an inviting glisten of moisture at its tip. Already the sleek curve was distended at the base, the knot already swelling free of the tight sheath below. It was the sort of cock that begged to be thrust inside, even as the otter watched it tensed and lifted as if of its own accord, as if some force were pulling it towards his mouth. Dizzy with liquor and the sudden musky scent that hit his nostrils, Hirosaki just stared down, his jaw partly open, his hips squirming with Jeremy's caresses. The dingo made a soft woof and pushed Hirosaki's pants further down his thighs, so the otter was forced to get up on all fours to kick the horribly confining things off. He descended again, his nose stopping an inch from the tip of Jeremy's cock. He stayed there until a paw on the back of his head pushed him down towards it. One quick lick and canine musk flooded his senses, sending blood surging to his own erection. The dingo cupped that hardness, stroking evenly while Hirosaki brought his muzzle back and licked several more times, closing his eyes. In his ears, over the rushing of his arousal, he heard pants of pleasure and decided to make them louder. So he took the tip all the way in, closing his lips around it and sucking gently, then lowered his mouth over the whole length, and was rewarded with a low growl. Jeremy's paws moved up to Hirosaki's head, holding him as he bobbed up and down, bringing his knees up to surround the otter's sides. The quick sliding through his lips, against his tongue, was something he'd felt enough to be familiar with, had written about probably hundreds of times, and yet it always surprised him how each time there was something new. He knew canid knots and canid scent, but his tongue curling around Jeremy's cock found curves and heat he could swear he'd never licked before, and the knot under his fingers grew and hardened, a shape distinctly unique. And the taste of the dingo, the exotic musk that was sending tingles through him like fingers around his sheath, squeezing his own cock to further hardness, well... The spice of his arousal was as heady as the liquor he'd drunk earlier that evening. Maybe all dingoes had this same taste, or maybe it was just the excitement of the circumstances, a quick hot hookup in a hotel, or maybe it was the liquor he'd had on his tongue before this that made musky fluid taste so good. Hirosaki thrust his muzzle down on it faster and harder, losing track of the world around him, though he could feel the dingo's knees holding him in place and a single paw on the back of his head now. The legs were trembling and squeezing him, and against his tail he could feel the wagging of Jeremy's. And then, abruptly, he was being pulled forward, the hard, trembling cock slipping from his lips. A sloppy dingo tongue washed his nose, and he felt fingers slick with lube probing behind his sack. Jeremy's eyes met his as the fingers found his tail hole and pressed there, 
and before Hirosaki could do anything but smile, Jeremy's fingers were inside him. He wriggled around them, panting, dropping his head to lick at the dingo's muzzle. Jeremy pushed and stretched, and then removed his fingers as quickly as he'd thrust them in. Hirosaki had a moment to rest, feeling the movement of Jeremy's paw between them as the dingo slickened his own cock, the smell of lube mixing with the strong dingo scent. Then Jeremy pulled the otter forward, lifting his cock underneath the wide tail and practically pushing Hirosaki down. Overcome with lust, the dingo couldn't restrain himself, thrusting his hips up in a frenzy of arousal, loving the squirming of the otter atop him. His cock throbbed with need as the warm mustelid embraced it, taking him in fully and holding him there for a moment. He felt the joining of their bodies like their spirits, soaring together with pleasure. It made him want to drive further in, to join with the otter so the pleasure wouldn't end. The dingo's long shaft pushed into him hard enough to make him squeak again. Hirosaki shivered at the stretching, the sensation of fullness under his tail spreading slowly through him. He pressed his paws to the dingo's shoulders, his nose almost touching Jeremy's, but the dingo wasn't looking at him. He had his muzzle back, eyes staring at the ceiling, and as Hirosaki watched, his tongue slid out of his partly open mouth, lolling to one side. Jeremy pushed in all the way up to his knot, which was already too big to go in easily. Hirosaki wriggled his hips, pressing back eagerly, but as he did, Jeremy pulled his hips down, sliding his cock most of the way out. Hirosaki felt fingers rubbing around the shaft and knot, brushing under his tail as they did, and when the dingo thrust up again, the motion was slick and easy. His knot stretched Hirosaki's opening, bringing a gasp to the otter's lips and a spasm to his fingers. He waited for Jeremy's paw to grasp his own shaft, hanging heavy between them, but when the dingo did, it was a quick cursory stroke, enough to coat him in lube. His thumb teased the tip, but he was so lost in the otter's supple body that all other ideas were swept aside. He felt the otter's cock as a mirror of his own, resting a paw around it to keep it as warm as his was, thrusting in and out, but he couldn't focus enough to make his paw stroke the same way. His ears perked to the otter's gasping cries as the rhythm of their love-making quickened, the two moving together. And Hirosaki felt the pressure under his tail with each thrust, the knot pushing in further and growing larger, Jeremy now making growls of pleasure in his throat and huffing out breaths through his nose. While his hips thrust up, his paws pressed down, forcing his knot in deeper, his cock filling Hirosaki with pressure the otter could only vent in moans. When the stillness of Jeremy's paw became torture to his oversensitive cock, Hirosaki worked one of his own paws in there, pushing the dingoes aside to grasp his quivering shaft. Jeremy didn't notice or care, bucking hard now, his back arching into every thrust. His breath was coming in hot, ragged pants, the growl giving way to a soft whine that grew in pitch. Sensing his climax, Hirosaki tried hard to time his strokes, but the cock pounding into him and the thick musk were making his body shake, and he couldn't control his paw. He stroked himself faster, feeling the climax overtake him, and he arched his own back, gripping the dingo's tan fur as his arousal crested and broke, spattering the dingo's chest and stomach with his seed. Jeremy grunted, not slackening his pace at all. His hips twisted, he moaned and strained upward, and Hirosaki felt the pressure of the knot stretching him to the point of pain. 
Just when he thought he would have to squirm away, it popped in, burying Jeremy's thick cock inside him and locking it there. The fullness of it brought another wave of spasms to his own erection, dribbling a bit more fluid onto the dingo's fur, and Jeremy definitely didn't notice that. His teeth locked together, his whole body tensed, and a loud moan forced its way out of his muzzle. Hirosaki felt the warm hardness quiver inside him, imagined the rush of seed emptying into him, and he relaxed his paws, caressing Jeremy's shoulders. He watched the dingo's climax on his muzzle, as the long caned jaw relaxed, the flattened ears came up, and the body below him slowed its convulsing, and finally lay back on the bed. Ah! Jeremy breathed. Ah! Ah, God! Mmm! Hirosaki rubbed his fingers into the dingo's shoulder muscles. He was nicely built, and the muscles were nice and tight now. Whew. Jeremy opened his eyes halfway and grinned, the grin turning into a huge yawn. Fucking A. Indeed. Hirosaki chuckled to himself. His finger brushed the dingo's chest around the small sticky patch that was as far north as he'd shot. Not a record. He'd once hit a lover in the muzzle. But still, he thought, not bad. He watched his finger trace the dingo's chest muscles, humming softly to himself, consciously relaxing his rear around the knot still buried in it. To make conversation, and to flatter the dingo, he said, You're pretty big. How long do you stay tied? Jeremy didn't respond. Hirosaki looked up at his muzzle and saw his eyes closed. Jeremy? he said. The dingo remained quiet. His chest rose and fell steadily. Exhausted by the force of his passion, the dingo succumbed to the tide of sleep. He tried to call out a good night to his lover, but the otter seemed to be receding across a wide gulf, and his voice wouldn't carry. His muzzle set in a serene smile. He drifted off to sleep. They would laugh later about that. You never even told me good night, the otter would joke and the dingo would look abashed, his ears folding down in that adorable set. You wore me out, he would say, and they would kiss. Hirosaki passed a good ten minutes teasing his claws through ivory fur, over rounded muscle, down to the gentle rise and fall of Jeremy's slightly pudgy stomach. All in all, there were worse ways to pass the time. When he felt the pressure of the knot inside him lighten, he lifted himself carefully, and came free with a quick pop. After cleaning up in the bathroom, he debated briefly whether to return to his own room. But that would be rather rude, and besides, Jeremy was lying on his shirt. So he crawled up beside the dingo, still naked, and closed his eyes. He woke and stretched, forgetting for a moment that he wasn't at home in his bed. The movement brought a flare of pain to his head, making him drop back to the sheets and squeeze his eyes shut. The foreign smell of the sheets and the musk of dingo and sex disoriented him, so that while he lay still, he racked his brain to assess the situation and remember what had happened. Hotel. Bar. Dingo. Right. Memories flooded back, and with them the explanation for both the stabbing head pain and the musk. He opened his eyes cautiously and looked around. The hotel room was empty. Holding his head, he sat up. The bathroom door was open, no light on inside. He got to his feet slowly and checked the room. Jeremy was definitely gone. 
He sat naked on the edge of the bed, just sitting. No story came to him, but that might be because of the headache. Finally, he stood and picked up his pants from the dresser where they'd been placed, presumably by Jeremy. A note fluttered to the floor. Hirosaki bent to pick it up, and then winced as the motion stabbed pain through his temples again. Had to take off. Room's taken care of. Just be out by eleven. Catch you next time, Jay. He held the note for a moment, and then replaced it on the dresser. He pulled his pants and shirt on, and opened the door, checking to see if anyone were outside, as if they would know it wasn't his room, as if they would be able to see what he'd done just by looking at him. Or they might be able to smell it. Kyle and Kit certainly would, so he would have to hope he didn't cross them in the hall. Luck was with him. He only met one other person on the way down to his room, an older porcupine who blinked dimly at him and smiled. He waved to her, even then unable to shake the feeling that she was amused at his sluttiness or could see the hangover like flashes of light stabbing out from his eyes. He had aspirin in his toiletries, thank God, and while that was working its magic, he took a hot shower, scrubbing the dingo from his fur. By the time he was dressed, he felt presentable, and his stomach felt stable enough to accept food again. The hotel restaurant was uninspiring, but breakfast was breakfast, and they did at least cater to a number of different species, with a wide selection of vegetables, as well as some fresh fish and the standard eggs and potatoes. "'I'm meeting some friends,' he told the hostess, spotting Kit at a table near the back. Kyle was over by the caned area of the buffet, marked with a generic canine head silhouette, where the spices were less strong, in deference to the more sensitive noses and palates. And there, near the front, with a plate and bowl in front of him, was Jeremy. The plate had a few potatoes left on it, and stray clumps of oatmeal clung to the side of the bowl. A glass, mostly emptied of orange juice, stood to one side. The dingo had his wallet open, pulling out a couple bills. Hirosaki stood still for a moment, watching Jeremy lay the bills on the table. He walked slowly over as Jeremy put his wallet away and stood. His muzzle lifted. He noticed Hirosaki just as the otter reached the table. Guilt pinned his ears back. Bravado brought them up again, with a little twist in the mouth. Didn't think you'd be up and about, he said easily. The words came from the heart. He tried to wake the otter up to no avail, so he left him a note telling him where he could get in touch with him to meet him at the breakfast buffet that he'd had a good time. Hirosaki nodded. I recover from hangovers quickly. Jeremy coughed. He made a show of looking at his cell phone. Oh, my damn flight. I need to get to the airport. Hey, look me up if you're ever in Dallas. Hadn't he said Austin the previous night? Not that it mattered. Hirosaki glanced toward his friends. Both Kit and Kyle, sitting at the table, looked away quickly. He raised a paw. Have a good flight. He wasn't sure Jeremy'd heard him. By the time he got to flight, the dingo was at the entrance to the restaurant. So Hirosaki walked slowly over to the section of the buffet with the water icon, picked up a plate, and half-heartedly scooped fish and a bagel onto it. When he sat down, Kyle was just starting on half a cinnamon roll, while it looked like Kit was licking his fingers clean from the other half. Hirosaki smiled at the two of them. Did you have a good rest? Pretty good. Kit said. He grinned sideways at the fox. Kyle's eyes sparkled. We almost came back to get you when we went to the elevator last night, he said, taking a big bite of the pastry. But there wasn't time. He was grinning that half-smug, half-blissful grin he always had for several hours after sex, 
that grin that he seemed to think Hirosaki didn't notice or understand. Hirosaki raised his eyebrows. Time for what? Kit's blue eyes sparkled. He glanced at Kyle, whose mouth was still full of pastry. So we're going to bed last night, and we're waiting for the elevator. And it opens, and we go to step inside. Only there's two people in it, and after a second we realize why they're not getting out. You remember Chaco and Coco. Hirosaki swallowed his mouth full of fish. It was good and fresh, but he couldn't recall the taste a moment after he'd swallowed. The Brown Wolf and White Wolf wrote the Diamond Deer series? Kit nodded. So they're standing there, pants down, and kneeling in front of them is this little red fox wearing a green vest. And not much else, Kyle put in. Yeah, and he's got both of them in his muzzle somehow. Both of them? I'm a fox, and I can't figure out how he was doing it. Hirosaki looked from one of them to the other. I thought they were straight, the wolves. Kyle finished off his half of the roll and shrugged. A muzzle's a muzzle. And Coco just looks at us and says, This one's taken. Kit leaned back and picked up a fork, playing with a piece of French toast on his plate. We thought he was talking about the elevator, Kyle said, digging into his own French toast. At first, Kit nudged the fox. Who would have thought an erotica writers at convention would be full of debauchery? You didn't tell me that when you dragged me here. Kyle licked syrup from his lips. Didn't want to scare you. I know how sensitive you are. Hirosaki grinned. I don't know if I can top that story, he said. It's okay, Kyle said. You can let it top you. Did you not have anything to do with that dingo? Hmm. Hirosaki shoved a piece of bagel into his muzzle, chewing thoughtfully. Hmm. Oh, come on, Kyle said. I got a number of story ideas. Hirosaki took another bite of fish. Kyle leaned forward, ears cupped toward him. Why'd he come down without you? As much as Hirosaki knew about Kyle and Kit, they knew about him as well. And what they didn't know, they were rather astute at guessing. He smiled and swallowed his fish, but did not speak. Jeremy was gone, on his way to the airport. He hadn't been a soul in pain or a yearning lover. He'd just been a horny dingo who'd wanted to get laid and didn't care much about his partner. Didn't ask before shoving fingers inside him. Didn't try to get him off. Fell asleep so stereotypically quickly after sex it made Hirosaki slightly ashamed that they shared a gender. He was boring. Hirosaki took another bite of fish, savoring it this time. As the taste expanded on his tongue, he began to accept the previous night for what it was. He'd had a good time, after all. And if there were paths not taken and missed opportunities, well, wasn't that where stories came from? Kyle was still looking at him expectantly. He turned words over in his mind, but none of them properly fit what he was thinking. So he adjusted his slightly sore rear, obviously enough to let them know something had happened, and smiled. It's a long story, he said. I think perhaps I should write it. Thank you for listening. We had a lot of fun recording that. We hope you enjoyed listening to it. Yeah, I had a lot of fun doing it too, and uh, I'm curious to see uh, how this all gets received. Yeah, me too. Um, definitely was a fun enough experience that I think we'll be doing more of them. Well, we kind of have to. I don't think that we're going to be able to get away without uh, you know, finishing the other half or people are going to call shenanigans on me. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, uh, we should thank... Uh, not Tube, who provided the voice of the 
sexy dingo. And yeah, for somebody who's not actually a sexy dingo, he certainly is good enough at pretending to be one. Absolutely. Um, we need to thank our tech-savvy wolf for being an admirable and excellent producer, as well as voicing himself. Um, Y'all finally got to hear Kit here on the podcast. Uh-huh. And uh, we should thank our friend Bobby, too, for moral support and um, just uh, putting a lot of work into helping us out to get this released. That's all I got. I was trying to f- f- make a helping with release joke, and I couldn't find one in time. Hopefully we've helped a lot of y'all with your own releases. And, and if we ha- why are you still listening to your headphones right now? <laughs> Take those off. Maybe the paws are all sticky and they can't. That's a good point, especially on an iPod Touch where you have to have the little touch screen. That would be gross. Yeah. All right. Our wolf is telling us we've gone to bad places now, so I think we're going to... Which is exactly where we hope you all are right now. Well, we hope you're in bad places, but in a good way. Um, and just a reminder, send in your letters to unsheathedpodcast at com about holiday stories, holiday questions, um, pitfalls, things to avoid in writing holiday stories. Yeah, anything involving either Thanksgiving or Christmas Hanukkah. Uh huh. <laughs> Nicely done. Yeah. Isn't it hello? Thanks to Christmas. Something. I Brevity can't is get the all. soul of wit, my friend. Actually, I loved the <laughs> Simpsons versions of that at the Reader's Digest conference. It just had the big banner up on the wall that said, Brevity is dot 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 wit. <laughs> <laughs> and I think on that That's... note, I should ellipse myself out. So thank you for listening. I'm Cam Hirasaki. And I'm Kyle Gold. 